Welcome to the sermon podcast for Restoration Nazarene Church, where we encourage you to be the gospel today so that you can share the gospel tomorrow. What is the meaning of life? That's the question that we are looking at. We, we started asking that question last week. I started asking that question a long time ago. And I, I seem to always ask that question a couple of times a year. But, but what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? We said last week that, for those of you that, that weren't here with us last week, we said that to understand the meaning of life, we must begin with realizing that there's something missing. That, that there's something wrong, that there is something more. And then we talked about how once we realize that, then we begin to realize that it's not about us, but it's about the Father. It, it's about the Father in heaven who, like with the story of the prodigal son, welcomes us back, forgives us of all of our sins, offers us restoration and adoption. We talked about how, how the beginning to understanding the meaning of life begins with the, the word restore, restoration, how we are to be restored so that we can share restoration. But, but then what? Once we are restored, then what? What is next? As a kid, I couldn't wait to get older. And maybe you know what I'm talking about, how, how you just, you cannot wait to get to a certain age, especially when you're in high school, Kylie, especially when you're in high school, you cannot wait until you turn 18, until you are an adult, until you can make your own decisions, until you, nobody can tell you what to do and you can do what you want. But then, unfortunately, Kylie, when you reach that age, then, then you realize that it's, it's much harder than you thought. That, that now, all of a sudden, you have to earn money to eat and survive, that, that you're not as free as you thought you would be, that there's a lot more stress and burden out there. And then you get caught in this, this cycle of, well, to stay alive, I must eat, so therefore I must make money. But to make money, I need to put time into it. So now all of your time goes into making money so that you can eat. And now your life becomes about making money to be able to eat. And then with the free time that you have left over, you find ways to entertain yourself so that you don't realize that time is just slowly passing by and you're getting older and older. And then you finally get to a place of, of what's next. And some people, when, when you get there, you, you create something for you to look forward to. It, it kind of helps time pass by. You set a vacation in the future. You say, I, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to complete this, this degree. I'm going to get this job. I, I'm going to start a family. I'm going to do fill in the blank. But, but you put on this other future goal to work your way up to, but then you hit that, and then what? It's like, I, I, um, growing up, I had many hobbies, many different hobbies. I'm one of those people. One of them was building model cars. And, you know, you spend all this time putting together these model cars, painting every piece, gluing them all together, and I was absolutely horrible at it. I cannot paint to save my life. And then the glue would get all of my fingers, and then it would rub the paint, and it just looked nasty. It never looked like what was on the box. But then you finish it, and then you're like, okay, 
now what? What do I do with this? I just set it on the counter to look at. But then you realize that it's, it's kind of about the process that you get there. But still, you, once you get it, then what? As Christians, we, we start off as lost, and then we become found. We become restored. But then what? There's this big excitement at first. There's this big party, like we talked about last week, where you're just high on life. I call this the Jesus high, where, where you experience Jesus for the first time and you are so happy. Everything is so exciting, but then that slowly fades away. And then you're left asking, well, well now what? And some of you out there, I can see it in your minds. You're telling me that after you're restored, then you mature. You grow in your faith, right? That's what, you're, that's what you're saying. I know you are. You're thinking it. You grow in your, your faith. You, you do, start to do the things that Christians do. You go to church. You read the Bible. You pray more. You, you learn more. We, we go out and make more disciples is what we're supposed to do. Or Wednesday, as we talked about in our group, we, we learn what our gifts, our strengths, our calling is and lean into that. But why? Why do we do those things? What is the actual purpose of doing those things? Is it just to pass time? Or is there actually something that is supposed to happen that, that once we become restored, once we become a Christian, is there something else out there? And this is something that Paul writes about in Ephesians which is where we'll be this morning in Ephesians. And, and this book of Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. This is a church that he started, a church plant like us. And he spent time there encouraging them, teaching them, talking to them about once you become restored, this is what comes after. And then he leaves and he, he writes them this letter because he hears that they're not doing what they are supposed to be doing. And in the middle of his letter, chapter 4, Paul calls them out on it. He says, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 22, he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And I can hear Paul's frustration here, like, like a parent trying to discipline their kids. He's saying, you were restored and I told you what to do. I told you what would happen, but you did not listen to me. How many times do we say that in our house? You need to listen to what I say, but kids just don't listen. I'm looking at you, Kylie. Paul, Paul is telling these people that, that you didn't listen. I told you everything you needed to know. I told you what to do. I told you what was next, but yet you did not listen. He, he tells them, I told you that you need to put off your old self and put on this, this new thing, this, this being created into something new. He's describing transformation, being changed into something new. I want you to imagine for a moment that, that you're walking down a road, okay? You're walking down a road, and there's a whole bunch of people walking with you. Nobody's talking. Nobody's saying anything. You're just walking down this road. You have no idea where you're going. You have no idea why you're going. You don't know how long you've been walking, but you just know that you are walking. 
And then at some point you realize that, that there's something wrong with this, this concept of life of just walking down the road. You realize that there is something more, that there is something missing. And then you finally realize that, that you now have to make a choice. You either continue just walking down this path with everybody else not knowing what's going on, or, or you stop and change your direction. So you think about that, and then you make the choice. You say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to change my direction. And so you step off the road for a moment to find out where you are. And what you find when you step off the road is that there's a whole bunch of people there waiting to embrace you, to love on you and say, now you get it. Now you're not just walking aimlessly down this road. You, you get it. You are restored. Now there's this big party, this celebration. And then they say, like, look, th these people that are walking down this path, that they don't know what they're doing. They're headed for destruction. But you have finally realized that there's a different road that you need to walk on. However, the road that you need to walk on is not one that you've ever walked on before. And so while we are celebrating and preparing you, we, we now need to begin to transform you and prepare you for where you are going. You now need to get the right equipment to travel on this new road. You now need to learn a few more things so that you know how to travel down this road. And then you begin this, this period of transformation. However, this, this transformation is not the point. We don't become restored so that we can become transformed. That's not the point. That's not the end goal. We don't just put on all of our gear to go walk in the snow and put on our full snowsuit and our snowshoes and then stand there and never go. There is something more. We are transformed for a purpose. There's a reason that we are transformed. And, and before we understand what we are transformed for, we must first go through that process of transformation, of putting on these new clothes, of putting on this, this new equipment, which dis, uh, Paul describes for us later at the end of his letter in chapter 6. And Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to jump to now, which is also what our kids are learning about at the same time. So those with kids there, you can be able to talk to them about the same thing. And, and before I read it, let me summarize these so far. In order to understand the meaning of life, we must first realize that something is wrong, that something is missing, and that something that is missing is God, our Father, being embraced and loved. When we realize that and we turn, we step off the road, we are then embraced. God's love has always been there. His grace has always been there. He was just waiting for us to draw near to him so that he could then draw near to us. So we step off that road. He embraces us. There's a big party, a celebration. But then we go through this transformation, which means that we need to put on this new equipment, these new clothes. And this is what Paul says. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, 
Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have this image of armor that we are putting on, which are these new clothes. And we must put on this armor in order to stand strong in order to prepare and be ready for the road ahead. And this is all a metaphor. We don't physically put on armor. Paul, Paul's giving us a metaphor to describe what it means to be made new. And there's a few things that I want to point out with this passage. And I think this is one that a lot of us are familiar with, with the armor of God, these different pieces. So I want to point out a few things that you may have never noticed before. The first thing that I, I want to point out is, is the concept of standing firm, which if you think about it, this seems to go against the idea of walking down the path. Paul describes in 2 Corinthians that we are to run the good race. We are to move, we are to go, but yet here Paul almost seems to contradict himself by stating you must stand. You must stand strong. We are to stand firm because there's a struggle. There is a fight going on. However, we are not called to attack, but we are called to stand strong and defend. There are six pieces of armor that Paul gives us a belt, a breastplate, footwear, shield, a helmet, and a sword. And of these six items, five of them are all only defensive items. They're all used for defense, all used for blocking. And one could even argue that the sword was also used for defense because the enemy is using arrows. So who in their right mind would fight an enemy of archers with a sword? The sword would be used for defense if it became hand-to-hand -hand combat. But we are to be ready to defend ourselves from arrows. So one could argue that all of them are actually defensive things. We are called to stand and not attack. We are called to stand strong, which then also brings about this, this idea of community. Because when, when arrows are flying, especially back in that time, when arrows are flying at you, what all the soldiers would do is they would get together and they would form this barricade. They would all put their shields and they would stand shield to shield and some would put shields over top and to the sides and behind them and they would create this barricade. Now imagine if there was 10 soldiers that are all holding their shields, shield to shield. Imagine what would happen if one of them gets scared and retreats. Now the barricade is exposed. You can no longer stop the arrows of the enemy that are being shot at you. So Paul says to stand strong and firm for your own self. But we also get the idea that, that us standing strong is also for our church, our community, the other soldiers in this army that we must stand together to help block for one another. 
the, the second thing that I want to point out is that of all of these six items that are named, there is one of them that is not actually named. Verse 15 describes talking about your feet. It says, and then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. All of the other pieces are named. There's a helmet, there's a shield, there's a breastplate, there's a belt. Paul takes the time to talk about a belt, but will not talk about the shoes, not describing if they're boots, if they're Roman sandals, what they are. It doesn't say, and this, this metaphor is of using armor is not one that Paul created. Paul is referencing something from the Old Testament, from Isaiah, Isaiah 52, 7, that, that talks about the feet, and it says, the feet of those that bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. This portion of Isaiah, Isaiah 52, 7 is where that was. Isaiah 52 is talking about the future. It's talking about how God will use this armor, a helmet of salvation, will use this shield, and then it talks about this feet being fitted with good news, proclaiming peace. And so Paul is specifically not mentioning what the feet are wearing because he wants us to get the idea or the image that our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It's a call to live a life of peace, which again seems really strange because Paul is using this metaphor of, of armor and fighting that, that we are soldiers, but yet he is saying in order to prepare for battle, we must remain in peace. We must not attack, we must stand strong. But in this battle, we cannot fight, but instead we need to seek peace, which seems so backwards. And the third thing that I want to point out is that there are six pieces. And if you remember from our study on Revelation, how important numbers are. Six represents incompleteness. It is one short of seven. It is one short of perfection, which means that this armor is not complete. There are six pieces and you put on all these six pieces, but it is not complete. It is an incomplete set. We go through, as Christians, we go through this period of, of restoration and transformation, but yet we are still not perfect. We are still not fully complete, which we find in the next verse, verse 18. Paul says, after outlining all six pieces, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. This connects the two ideas together. Paul says that our transformation includes putting on the full armor of God, which is rooted in peace that is incomplete. And so to complete it, we must pray. We must pray in all occasions for all people, for all things. But, but it's not just praying. It is praying in the Spirit. In other words, the, the thing that is missing, that number seven item is the Spirit, is God. We can attempt to transform our own lives. 
We can attempt to accomplish everything that we set out to accomplish. We can try to train ourselves the best that we can. We can continue this life and say, well, I'm a good person. I do more good than bad. But no matter what we do, we are always incomplete. We are never perfect. We always fall short of the glory of God. Without the Spirit, without God, we are incomplete. Without prayer in the Spirit, we are complete. Transformation can only truly happen when it is filled with God. And notice here how Paul mentions all three parts of the Godhead, all three parts of the Trinity. Verse 11, we are to put on the full armor of God, God being the Father. We are to ready our feet with the gospel of peace. This is Jesus, the gospel, the word. And we are to pray in the Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit, the third person. Transformation means that we are formed, transformed. We are transformed by God into God's image because we put on his armor to look like him, to be filled with the spirit and to be footed, to be grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The meaning of life begins with us becoming restored. We must realize that something's wrong, something's missing. We become restored and then we become transformed. Through the Holy Spirit, we, we be transformed and share transformation. We are constantly in prayer, putting on the full armor of God, grounded in the gospel of peace, in the strength of peace instead of fighting. And this is the process that we call in the Church of the Nazarene sanctification, holiness. It is this, this process of, of growing. After we are restored, after we accept Jesus as our Savior, we're not done. It doesn't stop there at restoration. There is something else that happens, and it happens at another moment. Once the Jesus high wears off, once we begin going through this transformation, it, it happens. We, we begin to put on the full armor of God, but it is always incomplete until we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and complete us. Until we allow the Holy Spirit to baptize us, to fill us in order for us to become sanctified, to be fully transformed, which happens at a second moment all of which is done to prepare us for something. Now, we're never not done being prepared. We're never not done being transformed. But there is a moment in our life where the Holy Spirit takes over and fills us up and allows us to begin walking down the new path. And as we walk down that new path, I want you to imagine wearing this full suit of armor. Can you imagine how heavy that would be? Especially since you're not wearing any shoes. You're going barefoot in peace and you're walking down this path carrying all this heavy armor. Has anybody ever, ever done like a, a race or a walk or anything? And a lot of people will train carrying weights so that it becomes easier when you don't have the weights on. I did that. I did a mud run a couple of years ago. And what I failed to do was train with weights 
And the first thing that happened is I jumped in this big pile of mud and then my shoes became 10 pounds heavier and it was horrible to get through because I wasn't prepared. It was heavy to wear all of this. It is heavy to be transformed, to put on the full armor of God. It is not easy. Don't let anybody ever tell you that being a Christian is easy to being a true Christian. Let me state that. Being a true Christian, a true disciple of Jesus is not easy. If it is, is easy, then I need to question whether or not you are a true disciple or not. Because it is not easy to die to your old self. Paul, the great apostle Paul, struggles. I wasn't going to read this, but in Philippians, you can go read it. In Philippians, he talks about how he would rather die and go to heaven. Because the struggles are so great that he would rather be with God in heaven because that is so much greater. But he says, I must continue here. He talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 about this thorn in his flesh, his struggle that he has. It is not easy to be a true disciple of Jesus, but it is worth it. There's nothing better than it. It is not easy to walk with that armor, but... For those of you that have trained with any kind of weightlifting, you know that the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And so while it might be hard at first, the more you walk down that path with the heavy armor, the lighter it becomes, the stronger you become. You can carry that armor a little better. And then you can help other people carry their armor. You can stand next to them with your own shield when their shield is getting a little weak and wavering. It gets easier. We've been talking about the meaning of life, the purpose of life, which I still haven't answered on purpose. That comes next week. It begins with restoration and then transformation. We are transformed for something. That's next week. Today, it is about being transformed. We be transformed so that we can share transformation. We be the gospel so that we can share the gospel. And our challenge is in order to do this, we must ground ourselves in the peace of Jesus Christ, in the gospel. We must do the things that seem contrary to what we must do. When we feel like we're in this battle, we always feel like we need to fight. We put up our shield and we take out our sword, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. We are ready to attack. We are ready to fight. We are ready to call out everybody's sin, tell everybody else why they are wrong. Fight against the evil one like Jesus did in the wilderness and use scripture against the evil one so that we can stand strong and fight. But yet Paul here says you're not fighting. You are standing firm. You are standing strong and you're doing that together full of the Holy Spirit. And that is our challenge for this week. It's to find a way to ground ourselves again in Jesus. Find a way for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit more than we ever have before so that we can be prepared for the answer that comes next week. And as we talk about this idea of transformation, 
It's this idea that, that we were walking down one path, but God send us, sends us on another path. And I've said this several times before, that, that being church is more than just coming to this building. We, we, we do not go to church. We be church. We gather together as a church, but we don't go to church. We gather together to worship to encourage one another, to, to prepare people, to equip the saints. As it says in Ephesians that we were just talking about, Paul says that we need to equip each other for the good works of God so that we can then send out. I use that imagery every time we do communion, that we come together as one so that we can be filled and nourished and sent out. And our goal, and I'm gonna say this from the platform, I know this is recorded, but my goal is that you all are not still here five to 10 years from now. And I know that sounds way against what we know about church. Our goal is not to keep you here. This is a place that, that should be fluid, that, that should be the stream. We are supposed to come together to encourage one another so that we can go out. And if Jesus tells you to stay here forever, fantastic. But if Jesus tells you to go, you go. No questions asked. I will encourage you. I will equip you. I will send you out because that's what it means to be the gospel. While I love mega churches, while I love music and big things, I don't know. And I know that I might eat crow for this one at some point in the future, but, but I don't know that I desire for us to be a huge mega church. I would rather limit us to 100 people and once we hit that max, send people out, plant new churches, form new communities, send people out rather than building up this church of 5,000 people that just come together to, to sing some songs, to hear about the Bible and then go back about their life. Now I'm young and my mind could be changed, but right now that's where I'm at. And, and with that, I have an announcement and this is very difficult for me. I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry. You all looked at me like, oh, I am not going anywhere. <laughs> not going anywhere. But one of our own is, and it's exciting. Pastor Jeff, will you come up? Pastor Jeff, we, I'm going to try not to get emotional here, but Jeff is my best friend. We have been doing this two years what is the year? 2022. We've been doing this for almost two years now. We started planning almost three years ago. We sat down together and we said, hey, let's do this thing. Let's reach people. And our goal at that time, our goal as a church was that within two years, we would plant a new church. We, we would send people out. We would send Jeff out. And so for the last two years, I've been pouring into him so that we would be ready for this moment to send him out. And while he's not necessarily planting a church, he is kind of in a way. And so this is the first public announcement that we are making about this to the entire world. And um, so I will tell you, I'm going to let Jeff 
tell you about what's, what's going on, which is exciting. So I want you to hear that this is sad. We are, we are mourning. I don't know what we're going to do without Pastor Jeff. But at the same time, we're celebrating. This is exciting. This is what we've been preparing for. This is why we exist, is to equip in order to send out. That is what Jesus did all throughout his life. He prepared, he discipled, he sent them out. He sent them in twos. He sent out the 12. Then he sent out the 72. And then he sent them all out into all the ends of the earth. This is what it's about. And so we have Pastor Jeff for three more weeks. February 6th, the first Sunday of February, will be his last Sunday here. So tell him where you're going, what you're doing. Say a word. All right. Ooh, that's really loud. I guessed. So we're going out in a group of five because uh, there's four more in the back. We are going to Chino Valley to a wonderful small church that needs a new beginning. Um, there's a group of people up there. They were a church plant. They just celebrated 10 years, and they uh, want to get younger and to reach the community that is exploding in the area. Uh, we've been walking through this process for almost five months now of talking to the church and talking to district leadership. Uh, God and Pastor Cody trying to tell me I'm ready, and everything he said is true. Like, as a group... Uh, we be the gospel today so we can share the gospel tomorrow. And we're going to go do that uh, up north in central Arizona. So it's not goodbye. It's goodbye for now. Hopefully we'll do some stuff together. You're going to have lots of questions. Uh, I am up for whatever questions you got. Uh, we're going to celebrate. We're going to reflect. We'll be sad for a little bit, but this is the process. This is the example. Christ went out before us. Paul went out before us, all the disciples went out before us, and we go out and we share the gospel. And so we're going to go have some fun and try to do some, some new things up there with some more people. So I'm going to put him on the spot. Um, he, when he, he told me, uh, when he finally accepted it, and, and I knew about this, we've been talking for, for a long time, praying about this, it's time, it's ready, this is a good, exciting thing. So when he finally told me that he accepted it. He says, so how do I resign? I told him, I want a two-page paper reflecting on your time here. And so I'm going to put him on the spot. He did actually send me that letter, two pages. He did last night. Um, but, but I want you to share one thing from your time here at Restoration. What, what has been one thing, one thing that we do, that we have learned, that we have talked about, one thing that you are going to take with you to the new place, one thing that you're going to repeat and take? I like this question. This is the Jeff translation version of this, but if you were the same person tomorrow that you were yesterday in your walk with Christ, you're not paying attention. The work and the stretching and the growth that happens between us as a community every weekend on the hour we spend together on Sundays, the small groups, the youth group, all of those things, the Christian you are today is not the Christ follower that you should be tomorrow. You should be better, should be different. And that's one of the coolest things that we have done as a church that I hope to repeat is that checking the box off on Sunday morning is not good enough, that you should be better and grow in Christ tomorrow. Right? I've said it up here several times. You can't fake it on Sunday and then fake it on Monday too. If you're here today, you need to be a Christ follower tomorrow. And I hope to repeat that as we go on. That's fantastic. He said, be the gospel today so you can share the gospel tomorrow. 
growth. That's what it's about. And with that sad news and exciting news, all at the same time, it's a time of mourning and celebration. I want to read a a prayer. Um, And this is how we're going to to end the service today is to read this prayer. And for those of you that know me, I love written prayers. I love liturgy. I love reading through different things. And so this prayer, it spoke to me. This is the, the prayer from today, the, the prayer for Sunday in our, our morning daily office, for those of you that follow along with that. Um, and so this is the, the prayer that, that I want to be our prayer. And so as I, as I read, it's not going to be on the screen. This was very last minute. Um, so I just want you to listen and let the words be your words as we are sent out of this place. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior Jesus, is the light of the world. Grant that your people, illuminated by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is with you in the Holy Spirit, lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to continue the conversation and connect with you. Comment, like, subscribe, follow us on the socials at rnaschurch or our website, rnaz.church.